Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Former U.S. President Calvin Coolidge once said, All growth depends on activity. There is no development physically or intellectually without effort, and effort means work. Comfort can lead to self-absorption, boredom, and discontent. You can, be, you can either be comfortable and stagnate or stretch yourself, become uncomfortable. Oh, man, I fucked that up. I have to edit that. You can either be comfortable and stagnate or stretch yourself, become uncomfortable, and grow. We at The Weekly Warrior choose to do the latter. Go where the demands are high. Go where there is pressure to perform. Break your mold. Embrace the discomfort. The transition is going to suck, and it's going to be scary. But in the long run, it's going to be worth it. Discomfort is a catalyst for growth. It makes you yearn for something more. And it forces you to change, stretch, and adapt. Seek out discomfort and be deliberate about doing things that push your limits magnificently. Difficulty helps you grow. Comfort's pretty cool too, right, Bones? Yeah. Com- mm-hmm. Sitting in a chair, watching a fire crackle. Those things are not the comfortable things that I'm talking about, though. When I refer to discomfort and comfort in this episode, a little bit, I mean, we could talk about physical discomfort, but I talk more about the comfort that we feel about the positions that we might find ourselves in our life. Whether, I don't know, maybe you just got out of college and you have a fairly comfortable nine to five job that you make a decent salary at, you do your regular commute, you come home, you make dinner, you watch a few Netflix shows, you go to bed and you kind of wake up and you do it all over again. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that for some people. But something that I think that you and I have found over the last few years is that comfort and discomfort should be balanced appropriately. But if you force yourself out of your comfort zone, massive growth can occur. And the reason I bring this up today is because I've had some inner dialogue happening about a lot of life change that is on the horizon here for me relatively soon. As many of you know, who have been listeners to the podcast for a long time, I had a tumultuous and interesting career in social work for about six years. And in 2020, well, in 2019, December of 2019, after kicking around the idea of a career change for many years and not knowing what to do and living in a place of comfortability, even though it was extremely unhealthy, I sat down and I told Connor after we got back from the gym one day, that I was going to go back to school and it was time to make a change because I can't live my life like this anymore. And at that moment, I was both extremely excited and extremely terrified. Now, long story short, the schooling that I did didn't really matter. It may have put me in the right mindset and made me feel like I could move towards my goal in a more real way. But ultimately, it didn't really push the needle. Uh, in a, you know, in a real way for me. 
So I left my career in March of 2020, March 1st, actually. And we all kind of know what happened right after that. COVID occurred. And so I was unemployed by my own choice. And we were stuck at home, not really sure what the next step was. I had a job interview set up at Mitchell State Park that got pushed back. And then it got pushed back again. And then it was pushed back indefinitely. So it was April of 2020. And I finally figured out that I'd have an interview mid-April. Mid-April came around. I interviewed, got the job, and I was set to start in my new career in June of 2020. June 17th. The funny thing about it was I went from a career where I wasn't rich by any means, but I made a decent living. I lived, made enough to live comfortably, and that was okay. I'd wake up every morning. We'd try to go to the gym. I'd try to be healthy. I'd be on call all day, go to work, type reports, sit at a desk, and deal with people who really didn't want to be helped. And this was extremely draining for me. I loved dealing. I loved working with people. I really did. I love people. I love interacting with them. But I was slowly dying inside, and my life goals were beginning to shift. And so I was excited by this new start. Problem is, I was going to be starting from the literal bottom of the barrel, making $10 an hour, doing whatever I was told to do. Could, could be anything. But mostly, cleaning a lot of toilets and mowing a lot of grass is basically what I was set to do. But there was a lot that went into that. It was uncomfortable. Financially, it was uncomfortable. Egotistically, it was extremely uncomfortable because I was working with 17 and 18-year-olds who had just graduated from college, making the same amount of money as me. I was almost 30 and had had a successful career in social work, and I had a lot of moments where I questioned what I had done. They were coming out of high school. They were coming out of high school. It was, a bit of a, it was a bit of a hit to the old ego. And I had to do a lot of reflection. And ultimately, what I decided was I would do the best job that I could, no matter what I was doing, and learn from anybody I can. Didn't matter if they were 17, 18, or if they were 60. Didn't matter. I was going to pick it all up, learn as fast as I could, and move up the ranks as quickly as possible. But I was prepared for a long haul. I was prepared for a year or two years even of doing this job. Thankfully, I didn't have to wait that long. And my hard work was paid off. And I didn't, it wasn't perfect either. I had a lot of moments where it was a learning experience for me because, you know, I was still healing in a lot of ways from my six years in social work. I spent a lot of time working a lot of hours and dealing with a lot of traumatic situations. And there were moments where that stuff reared its ugly head, but I pushed through it and learned how to take control of it. I was doing a lot of therapy on the side too. But by September of 2020, I was able to have earned a ranger position at Mitchell State Park. The next couple years, the next two years were fantastic. 2021, 2022 went by. I have continued to grow and learn and be uncomfortable. But I started to find myself feeling a little stagnant, especially in the summertime when the schedule is more up my alley, more dealing with people, more all those, you know, those types of interactions. And so 
we come to a crossroads where the question has been on my mind for the last year of what's next? Because here's the, here's the crux of the issue. You find yourself at a crossroads between I'm happy, things are good, or should I do more? Should I want to expand and try to grow? And for a while, I was kind of okay with where things were. And so I, I kept the status quo. And we, uh, we kept just, we were living in, we live in a nice house here in Cadillac, Michigan, and life is pretty good. And why would I want to change it? But I finally gotten to the point where I've had some tough conversations with myself about living in a comfortable place compared to pushing myself into some uncomfortable situations. And I'm ready to grow and I'm ready to, to take on some more challenges because I've proven to myself that I can overcome them. And so here we are. I just interviewed for another position within the DNR yesterday, and yesterday being February 24th, and it went really well. And it's more in line with what I want to do with my career, and it's also a bunch of added responsibility. Here's the thing. I will, I will be entirely self-motivated. I will have very much a large amount of autonomy. No one's going to be standing there telling me what to do every day. And I have to find it within myself every day to push and be the best that I can. And for a lot of people, for me included, this is not super easy. So the conversation I wanted to have with you today, Bones, is about discomfort and pushing yourself into some discomfort. And over the last couple of years, man, you've had quite the journey as well. Going back to like 2018, 2017, moving back and forth around from Mount Pleasant to Gaylord to Southeast Michigan, up to the UP, and then finally out to California. It's been a journey, but you've embraced <laughs> the change along the way. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, I want to I wanna get your take on this because I think a lot of people, there's, this, there, there's conversations like this that happen all the time about discomfort and why you should choose to do uncomfortable things. But I think a lot of times it's, it's coming from people that are, I don't want to say in like ivory towers, but it's coming from people who have obviously traversed some very difficult times and have now reached a very high spot talking, you know, like big names like Jocko, Joe Rogan, Andy Frisella, these people who have clearly done the work, clearly made themselves uncomfortable and clearly have come out in a good spot. I'm talking about more the everyday people, the people who typically, you know, nine to five, working nine to five, go home, watch some Netflix, go to bed, do it again. Why pushing ourselves into some discomfort is important. Yeah. I like that you defined in the beginning uh, what you're talking about with comfort, because it's good to be comfortable at night within your, in your environment, right? Like, for example, around a campfire, around your family, it's good to be comfortable financially it's not good to be comfortable where you're going through motions and you don't even realize that six months have passed, a year has passed, or that you're miserable, that you're saying things off the cuff to your loved ones or yourself that you're not even actually processing that are really beating you down. You're not aware of what is actually going on in your life. And I think that maybe once you spark that awareness, some of that comfort starts to flip and become uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you start to make your change. So I liked that we defined that first of all, because we love comfort. I love being yeah. comfortable. I love, you know, having a good day's work or whatever and, and, yeah. and getting the satisfaction of being 
comfortable in a home, yep. having food, having, you know, basic, basic needs met, and then some, you know, have a good family and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get your opinion mainly on why we should push ourselves to be uncomfortable. And I, I love that sure. you also talked about, man, being comfortable is good. It's good to come home from a hard day's work and be able to relax and have financial comfort and uh, sleep in a good in a comfortable bed that you sleep well in and, and all that stuff. That's all mm-hmm. well and good. We're not talking about that type of comfort. Um, we're talking about pushing yourself to attain new things that seem scary, terrifying, very hard. And this can be moving, new jobs, career changes in general. Um, a new workout program, a new diet, some different nutritional guidance, you know, guidance pieces, anything like that. And I know that you've experienced a lot of that. So I wanted, I wanted to get some of your personal experience about some of your life changes that has led you to where you're at right now, because we've talked about this before, but man, Mm -hmm. um, we've both come a long ways and your journey is not as talked about. Like I talk about my stuff a lot, but I think you don't give yourself enough credit for the stuff that you and Jess have done together and you have done as an individual to get where you're at now, which like, man, a couple of years ago, things were very uncertain for, yeah. for you, for me. But I mean, focusing on you, like we didn't know where you were going to be. You didn't know what you were going to be doing. You were mm-hmm. living at your sister's house. You were yeah, living in an attic in in the fucking UP <laughs> and like who, we didn't know. But here so, you are. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So more specifically me. Okay. I can do that. Let's, uh, let's go back. So I graduated college, had this exercise science degree. Um, and then I started working at a CrossFit gym with some great people, um, who really instigated the discomfort in my life in a good way. So I was always super shy until, you know, it took at least a year to kind of for me to open up. The first year that we played rugby together, I don't even know who you were. You didn't know who I was. No. It took me going into the gym and actually like getting a little better at rugby to get comfortable on the field with everybody and all that other stuff. I remember when you came back, uh, it was, I think our junior year, you came back after a summer and you were just big and fast. And it's like, who is this guy? (laughs) And I was, I was still in high school when I first came out to play college. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I was like 150 pounds and I was trying to play college ball and it it hurt. It sucked. (laughs) I didn't play really at the A side. So I put on like 20, 25 pounds and I firmly believe that if I had a mental game actually going, I was like playing at like a really high level, all conference, Mm -hmm. like or higher level like every time i touched the ball in sevens that year i'm pretty sure i almost scored every time and i I was loving it loving it loving it anyways later on graduated and uh crossword worthy they instigated my discomfort so i was always shy being in that type of gym where you have to coach in front of people you have to be uncomfortable and that was probably the hardest thing i had done to that up to that point as far as like you know being social and stepping out of my comfort zone is just talking in front of people, telling people what to do, um, how to do it. People that are older than me, uh, mm, people that yeah. are like our parents age, people in their thirties and forties. Cause I was 22 at the time. So that's what started it. And from there, you know, I, I worked there for from 2015 or so until 2000, about 18 with some back and forth a little bit. 
uh, moved up to Gaylord for a little bit. I worked at GNC for like nine bucks an hour, moved back to work at CrossFit Worthy. Yep. At that point, you know, I was making, I, I left CrossFit Worthy in the highest grossing year I had was like 20 grand. Mm. Um, and I graduated college with $89,000 of student loan debt. I didn't pay any of that in uh, 15 months. I just couldn't pay it. So it was just collecting interest. Mm-hmm. I left CrossFit Worthy and I owed like $112,000 of Whew. student loan debt. I fucked up. I didn't know I had this debt when I graduated. At least I didn't know it was that much. I didn't know what interest was. I didn't know how that's how it worked. I was like, oh, I can just put this off, put this off until I'm ready to pay. And then yeah. like, you, you slowly look at it and you're like, what the fuck happened? I, I was just a stupid kid that wasn't informed. So I was like, this is crazy. I making like $15 a class, you know, I do some personal training, but I'm not making enough money to pay rent. And I owe $1,100 a month on these student loans. My rent was like 300 bucks at the time food. And that was like, that was all I could do. Mm-hmm. So I moved I was like, I'm going to go into physical therapy. There's a lot, actually a long road. I was, I thought I would go into the DNR. I tried that whole thing, go through the whole process, got denied at the end. And looking back, thank God I did. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go into physical therapy. So physical therapy assistant program is what I wanted to do. You need some experience to do that. So like you took a low paying job I, at that point in 2018, I took a low paying job. I moved down to Royal Oak, Michigan. Well, I worked in Royal Oak, lived in Dearborn Heights with my sister, rent free. I paid internet. Most of the months I lived there, I think. Um, but I worked for 10 bucks an hour as a P- PT tech. And then I also delivered groceries. Again, not making a lot of money. But my big goal right now is like try to get into a PTA program and try to like become more fin- financially independent and stable. And meanwhile, this whole time, everybody from the outside probably is freaking out for me. Um, my mom for sure was. My sister was amazing to me. Let me live with her. So I worked for 10 bucks an hour for a year, got accepted to a PTA program up in Houghton, Michigan. If you know where Houghton, Michigan is, it's the furthest point north in Michigan that you can possibly go to pretty much besides Copper Arbor. But I was going to say, there's not much north of that. <laughs> yeah, it's the last like big city in Michigan. I say big city, but you know, they have a Walmart. Um, <laughs> they made it. They, they made, made it, it if you got, got a Walmart. Walmart. They got a BK, Jimmy John's. And you got a dollar general. You're somebody. <laughs> it's an amazing city. It's super cool. I loved, I loved living there. It actually um, is a really cool, really, really cool place. Very old, historic place. Yeah. A lot of history. Um, it used to be, it was like the capital of Michigan. They wanted to make it the capital of Michigan because of the copper production. Yeah. Yep. It was a really, bu- it was bussing. Um, busy time. But then it moved to Lansing. Anyways, I lived in an attic there. I lived in an attic <laughs> that was like transferred into like a room. And it was like 250 bucks a month. And then I was going to PTA, PTA school full time. So nine to five, it was an accelerated program. And then I worked a minimum wage job in the P, within the PTA program for like, it was like 750 an hour. So I worked that minimum wage job. I was going to school full time, uh, driving back and forth between school to see Jess every almost every weekend, which is about a five to six hour drive. And then February of 2020, um, COVID shut our school down like a lot of other people. I mean, the whole entire world changed and everybody kind of had to struggle through that. So, and about that same time too, Jess made the move to California. So we decided, hey, we're going to move to California. Um, we decided this in January 
and I was going to meet her once I was done with my schooling. So she had moved there in March. My school shut down. So I'm kind of like sitting here um, with my hands in my pockets, not really knowing what the next move is. Am I going to finish school like on time like I was supposed to? You know, she's in California. So trying to navigate that relationship uh, was tough. It's tough to have her out here living out of Airbnbs. Her job got laid off at the same time that I kind of was let go from school because of COVID. So my schooling wasn't going on. She was laid off. She was getting paid for like one day a week, but she was going five days a week just to get through the training. Um, and it was everybody can has their own story to relate to that time. And that was ours is just trying to navigate our, our relationship and trying to make sure that she's safe out here and that she's covered too, as well as myself over in Michigan. So anyways, got through schooling, you know, things started to reboot a little bit and then I finally moved out to California with her, um, five months after she got out here and it took me another three months to find a job. So I was delivering groceries again out in California for three plus months. And uh, I got this job in physical therapy as a PTA in an outpatient clinic. Meanwhile, that, that whole time, I always felt in my heart, I was like, I know I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to make it. I don't know why people are freaking out. My mom was the biggest one. She was like worried. You know, I could tell she was really worried. She's like, yeah. she, had, she had no idea what was out there for me. Parents do that. Objectively, I was struggling. Uh I always had it in my heart that I knew I was going to be okay. That I, and I think that goes back to my family and friends as a support structure. I always felt like I was going to be okay. Um, and I, I was going to make it because there were things that I loved to do. I loved helping people. I loved coaching CrossFit. And I thought I like physical therapy too. You know, you get to help people. And that was like, you know, the, the student mindset was like, oh, I get to help people and make a difference and you know, the real life is a little yeah, different before we'll, you get into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that maybe. And you know, I, I always felt like I was going to be okay. So my anxiety was fairly low. My motivation was really fucking high because I wanted, I was so laser focused for like four years to get to the point where I am now. I just, I always knew that I had, had, I was going to get to my goal. Oh, there's wanna, never a doubt. I want to bookmark this real quick and f I want to rewind a little bit too. I was hoping you'd touch on this because the whole time you're like, you're doing all of this personal growth. There's also another side of your journey that was, I think a lot of, a lot of discomfort for you and your girlfriend, Jess, we're trying to get Jess on the podcast. She's super smart. We're really working on it, but you guys also were having at times it was there was some rocky road. Yeah. And like not only were you navigating this tumultuous road, you kind of knew where you were you knew the the end destination, you just didn't know how to get through the dark scary woods, but you were just cutting through. But on top of that, you also were dealing with some of these uh relationship issues, not mm -hmm. issues, but like sort of, you know, the the growing pains a little bit. Um, and you can get as, into as many details as you want, but like, I want to uh, talk about that a little bit because I think that's too, like you're balancing both things and you're trying to make progress with both things and build what now, I mean, it's a really wonderful relationship. And I knew when you met Jess back, it was 2016 and you guys got together, like the, the look on your face, the puppy dog eyes, I knew it was, it's done deal, but like getting to where you guys are at now, it's been, a, it's been, it's been interesting, but it's a beautiful yeah. thing to see. So like 
talk about that a little bit or as much as you feel comfortable doing. Sure. The rocky road of that relationship, of, of this, that relationship, this relationship, I'm still with her. It's been over <laughs> seven years. Yeah. We've done so much changing and growing together. And we met each other literally at probably at the last possible time for us to really get together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think. Because her, as we met, she was graduating PA school and her life took off. And I was kind of like trying to figure out my shit for at least for the first four years. Mm-hmm. And she really stuck it out and stood by me and, and helped support me. And she, I could tell she was really frustrated at times too. And that affected me a lot for a, a lot of the times I felt like I wasn't good enough to be in this relationship. And I think objectively that's a pretty normal thing. She made really good living. She bought her own house. I was just trying to figure out what, trying to get to the point where I could buy groceries for us. That was yeah. my biggest goal. I wanted to buy groceries for us. Yep. Uh, and, you know, for a long time we split groceries or she would do it. And I was like, nah, I don't want her to worry about that. I know she can buy groceries all she wants. She can do, she can buy anything she wants. She's a PA. She does really well. That's not the point. So for, yeah, for a long time, I felt like I wasn't good enough. And that, that definitely affected how, what I brought to relationship, you know, whether it was trying to overcompensate or not be true to myself or real with it. I've been, you know, I, I don't know exactly how I figured that out. Uh, we had a lot of talks. We had a lot of near breakups, mm-hmm. not a lot, but probably two really substantial ones. And I, I think it just comes back to a love, love her to death. Um, and understanding of how she operates mm-hmm. and how I operate and how actually different that is, but it doesn't matter. The big turning point in our relationship was probably year two or th- two or three. We discovered love languages, very cliche uh, and generalized things. But man, that opened my eyes and my, my mind about how she operates and how oper- I operate. I'm a big physical touch person. Like if I need fucking hugs and, and shit and <laughs> cuddles and, but she's like a big service and gift giver. Her whole family is big on giving gifts. Like Christmas is the biggest thing. And it was never like that for me growing up. And I mm-hmm. never like, you know, it was just there's different things in relationships. You all come from different backgrounds, whether you're, you view yourself as a soulmate or whatever in love, there's going to be differences because of the way you're brought up a, and just like how, how you want to run your life. So just getting a clear understanding of that was a huge difference for us. Fast forward, you know, we're going pretty good. She's got my back and she sees that I'm, I am making progress towards, you know, physical therapy and getting uh, a good living for myself to help us. This was March of 2020. Uh, yeah. Right. Right before she moved. Um, I dropped the first marriage proposal and, uh, she said yes. Um, and at this point I was still living in school and going to school and she moved out to California and we decided that this isn't the best time. This is not how we want to be right now. COVID had a pretty good impact on it, but there was still some uncertainty. So, you know, I don't say we didn't officially be like, Hey, we're calling it off. But we're like, we're, we're pumping the brakes and we're not announcing anything. We're not doing anything right now. Mm-hmm. In the moment, I had a good understanding of that. But that was really hard for me. Yeah. Again, going back to the fact that 
the first three to four years, I was pretty self-conscious. I didn't feel like I was good enough to be in this relationship. And I was like, well, here's proof. My brain was like, here's proof <laughs> that you're not good enough. Yeah. And um, like I said, I had a good, my rational brain was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like we're not even, you know, she's living across the country. There was no inkling that we're going to break up. There was never that indication of, hey, you're moving to California and I'm staying here. That was never on the table. We made that decision together, but we just felt like it wasn't the right time. But still, in my heart, I was like, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Part of me was like, I don't care. Yeah. What difference is going to make label or not label? But I think I wanted to touch on that because not, you know, we, if you go on Instagram reels and you, you, talk about in front of your phone you talk about marriage proposals wedding rings your phone's listening you're gonna get some shit on your instagram (laughs) reels or wherever you're looking at youtube right you're gonna start people seeing people's highlight reels is what i'm getting at and you're gonna see the perfect emotional music and the perfect proposal and the girl is so excited and for the most part i'm sure that's what it is but there's a lot of people out there that this is a big commitment and the reality (laughs) of things is that sometimes it doesn't go exactly how the reels go or how the highlight reels go it, sometimes there is a decision in there where you she says yes or you guys go back and talk about it and slow things down or speed things you know everybody has their own story sometimes a girl says no at first yeah sometimes you have to propose two or three times dude get your shit together talk about it and figure it out all right yeah go ahead i just i gotta <laughs> you're talking about picture perfect proposals <laughs> And uh, when I proposed to Connor, we were it was a beautiful night Yeah, at East Tawas Point State Park at the Lighthouse, right on Lake Huron. Sunset, like just a glimmer of sunlight, like very, you know, it was just beautiful. And my whole family was there. Like my parents drove up because I was on a motorcycle trip. She didn't know this was going to happen. So my dad and my brother and I went on a motorcycle trip. And uh, I told my dad, I was like, hey, just so you know, like I'm. I'm probably going to propose to Connor at the lighthouse. And, and then everyone like was trying to figure out a way to come up. So when I told Connor, I was like, yeah, they found like, are you cool with them coming? Like my mom and Jessica and the girls are going to come up. Cause you know, the whole fan, we're just going to get together and it's going to be cool. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds awesome. And we, uh, we go out and everyone's just walking out there and I'm nervous as fuck and I've got the ring in my pocket and this ring is very meaningful because it has uh it's melted down gold and gemstones from her mom's jewelry and her mom passed away a few years ago so it's a very meaningful piece for her and for me and for us and um so we get out there and uh like Annie's with us and my dad's there and like the girls just are running wild and everybody kind of like is walking around and I just do it except the problem is I go down on one knee and I can't say will you marry me because I get tongue tied and I <laughs> will you marry me? I literally <laughs> just look at her and she turns around and eh? I'm like you know I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> did you go eh? I did <laughs> Yeah, I went. I literally, I, I said, eh? and then I'm like, "Will you marry me?" I shook my head. I'm like, "Will you marry me? Marry me?" And uh, she, you know, breaks into tears. Whatever. She doesn't really remember that, but I do because I'm like, "Oh my god, dude!" I literally like 
for those of you guys listening, it's yeah. sort of like an inside joke that we have. Like when Bones and I want to play video games or like whatever, we'll like, eh, eh, and so I did. <laughs> I said that to Connor when I initially asked her to marry me, and eh? <laughs> it's like it's one of those things like you want to do it. Oh, it's like man. you. Eh? Yeah. Uh, wow, that's fucking amazing. So I said that first, and then I yeah. finally was able to spit out, "Will you marry me?" <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, I mean, like otherwise, it was picture perfect, and it was great, and yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, that <laughs> was. Uh, it, yeah. Speaking of being uncomfortable, that is the most vulnerable moment and most uncomfortable moment, no matter how solid your relationship is. Yeah, that I think a man can be at least one of the top. For sure. Top, top three. Yeah. Because you, it's, you're putting everything out there and you've planned something. You yep. bought this ring or you, you, you have an amazing ring. Uh, and that's just the most vulnerable you can get. So speaking of being uncomfortable, that's damn hard to beat. Yeah. Um, is that moment. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, I just wanted to share that because you said every, it's like the re- the highlight reels and yeah. I'm like, Man, I wouldn't have had it any other way looking back on it, but mm-hmm. I was so fucking embarrassed in the moment. <laughs> like, think, and no, nobody saw it because it was yeah. so dark and everyone was like running around doing whatever, which was fine. We had like a quiet moment, yeah. but my dad wanted to take a picture. So we ended up staging a few pictures afterwards, but yeah, yeah it was funny. The, eh? Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think most proposals are kind of you know it's reality right it's reality yeah and it's not reality tv so it's it's the that's perfect for you guys Halloween. i know yeah looking <laughs> back on it like that yeah it should it was yeah. supposed to be that way <laughs> yeah so anyways yeah i uh back to my story so i took this moved out to california you know we're still just going steady she has a really stressful job i get a really stressful job working like seven to th- six Monday to Friday, and it's all patient care, very hands-on, very demanding. Like what you had with social work is, I don't know, I, you know, my my thing with physical therapy and this job that I had was people expected you to fix them for the yeah. most part. Very predominantly, people expected to be fixed by the surgeon, and they came to you, the therapist. Why am I still hurting? Why am I not fixed? We said it was going to be healed by this time and it's not healed by this time. And a lot of this is going on and it's patient after patient after patient. It's what we call a, a mill. Just the cycle continues every yeah. single day. And man, I was happy with it for probably four months because I was a like new grad. I was excited. I felt like I was helping people. That was, yeah. Yep. I was like high on it. I was earning money like I couldn't fucking believe. Ended up being, it was like, I made like $66,000 my first year, which is, I mean, 3x what I've ever, ever had before. I was going to say, from what you were making, you were like, man, it's raining man money. Yeah, it's it's raining (laughs) fucking man and money, dude. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, I could buy our groceries if I wanted to, and I did, and I could have money to pay rent. It was amazing. Uh, Actual rent. Not like 300 bucks. Um in college, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it was real fucking living and pay your student um, loans, pay my student loans. That was a big one. Like my mom was completely off helping me. She was done helping me. I refinanced my loans, which was like one of the best days I had was the day that I refinanced as silly as that sounds. Um, I've paid down. I'm still pretty high. These are things are hard to pay off from $112,000 from since I started working in, um, uh, in 2020, I'm down to like 94,000. 
Um, so good chunk paid off. I have huge goals this year. Jess has paid a shit off ton off her. She's paid like sixty thousand dollars off of hers yeah. in two years. You guys been, have been crushing it in the last couple of years yeah. that you've been out there. Yeah. So it, that's that's been really rewarding. Um it's such a fucking bummer every time I look at how much I pay an in interest to the bank every month. But, you know, it's I'm taking care of my shit. This is my responsibility and I have to take care of it. So that's what it is. Um, anyways, I burnt out on this job, went through a lot of mental health issues in 2022. It was really uncomfortable. I did 75 hard. I made it like 30 days in. And that was tw- uh, 2021. That was 2021. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it, I made it 30 days in. I At that point, with my job and um some other relationship woes at that time of like hey are we gonna like you want to like push this thing forward now and i was still like i don't know um it yeah i burnt out hard Mm -hmm. i i went back i did therapy for four months um a lot of meditation and finally i quit my job uh like straight up quit and because that was well, probably the hardest six months or so that I've ever gone through mm-hmm. mentally, mentally for sure. Uh, there were some things in high school I went through, but man, that was every single day was really hard. Did I you? Think, I mean, let me uh, a question about that. Did you feel like? Did you feel like now that you're sort of through that and you have a little bit of perspective on it? Did you feel like that was stuff that was already there, like? It was just beneath the surface and the 75 hard process kind of brought it out mm-hmm. or did the se- did the 75 hard process cause whatever this was like, was it already there or did the, did it, was it created in, in yeah. a fairly short period of time? I think about that a lot. And it's a great question. I was like, man, I don't think 75 hard deserved what the type of feedback I gave it. But in the moment I blamed that as like the catalyst that was the catalyst for whatever whatever happened yeah looking back i was like i'm thankful that i did it because i probably would have stayed at that job a lot longer and Mm. just who knows what would have happened you know i was pretty miserable and i didn't really realize how burnt out i was Mm -hmm. there was one day i just like sat down at my desk and i was like it finally like hit me where i was like i'm fucking exhausted Mm -hmm. like mentally absolutely drained to the limit trying to help people trying to come home, make dinner, like the little things in life became really hard. And I think that that stuff was there already. And Mm. that month or so of doing that program just really brought to the surface Mm -hmm. um, and exposed it. um, And, and, you know, probably some shit that was there since since childhood too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a real thing that you have to eventually come to terms with if you really want to like develop yourself fully as a man. Hug your cactus. Hug the cactus, exactly. Kind of. I can't even be specific about exactly what those things are. It's something I think that you don't have to get in this moment. You don't have to be specific with it. But I think in general, every single one of us have those things. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good of a childhood you had. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. Everybody, I think this is where people get caught up. It's like um, comparing trauma. Like, oh, what I went through was so hard and everything you had, it was easy. Like, you never had to do anything hard and, like, your childhood was blah, 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 whatever. Like, uh, I think that's a really bad thing. And I think it's not as bad as it used to be. Like, 
especially when I was working with the kids, like they always used to compare their trauma. And it was like, guys, like trauma, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what you think. It's how the person who experienced it perceives it. It doesn't exactly. matter. Every, everyone has their own experiences exactly. that create the demons that everybody has. Everybody has something. You, if anyone tells you that like they don't, they're, they're lying to you. They're lying to themselves. And um, that was something that I learned very quickly uh, after I left Southern Peaks and uh, moved back to Michigan and went through the process at Eagle Village. And I learned very quickly that, man, not only did I have some like serious professional trauma that was really impacting me from from working at Southern Peaks because what I mean, it was a, sh- a terrible workplace, but it was stuff that was manifesting from my childhood. And, and objectively, I had a great childhood. I like. I, you know, it was really, my parents did a great job. We had a wonderful, like we traveled all the time. Holidays were fun, this and that. And the other thing, like, but there's still things. And I think a lot of when, for a lot of a long time, I was like, yeah, like I'm good. Things are good. Like, I don't have to worry about it. But then you, you start to wonder like, man, why are things happening? Like, why can't I get into a healthy relationship? Mm. Why can't I like, uh, excel at work why do i fight everything why like why are these things actually happening mm-hmm. and like we said hug the cactus you got to get to know these issues and really dive into them and man i there was stuff i didn't even know that were that was coming out when i started doing therapy and i did it for like two years pretty solid and even now, like I'm very well adjusted now. I feel I have a very firm hold on my emotions and I understand the parts of me that do all this, but they're still there. They're not gone just because I did the therapy. And I think you could probably attest to this too. Just because we did these things, it doesn't mean that everything's hunky dory and we don't have to work on it anymore. It's still like a daily battle a little bit, but it's the, it's not as much of a battle. You can sort of do it a little more subconsciously rather than like making these active decisions to fight some of these problems. So anyway, don't compare your trauma. Like everybody's got something and I applaud you because, um, for as long as we knew each other, yeah, you seem just fine. And then mm-hmm. when you said you were going to therapy and like dealing with some of this shit, I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Like mm-hmm. for anybody, for everybody, doesn't matter who you are. So, yeah. I mean, you're totally right, dude. It's, it doesn't matter what level you're at of social or financial well-being as a child or anything like that or even as Mm -hmm. adult things happen yeah as teens like i mean you know it's all you're gonna manifest things that hurt yeah um yeah so let's jump back into it you quit your job mm -hmm. and starting to move forward yeah you, you just mentioned professional trauma and man man oh man what a great term that's exactly how I would describe what I had for the mo- like that was my overarching theme of my life at that time. As good as things were, I, I like it was just something that was like, all right, now I have my license, I have experience. I'm not gonna fucking do what everyone, what another employer wants me to do. Mm-hmm. I know there's options in this field. I have some serious firepower behind me now, and I, I I'm not gonna take this like shit anymore. Uh, so, and that, I, I think a lot of social support with that too. A lot of people at that time were like, Hey, we're not fucking working this. We're not doing this anymore. A lot of like themes throughout the world really were some worker empowerment. So I was like, 
kind of riding that wave a little bit. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, they're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Power of the people. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, man, home health. I, I wanted to do home health when I graduated, but it's hard to get into. It pays more. Um, and that was the big thing. And I was sick of doing what I was doing. So I applied to a home health job. I went on Indeed, which is crazy because I, I have always said Indeed isn't the place to go because like you're yeah. just going to pick a job. I think the the best strategy, which is how I got my first job, is to find places in your area, email them, call them, send yes. them your resume and be like, hey, are you guys looking? Because here I am and I'm, yep. I want to fucking work. And that's how I did get my first job. I applied to probably a dozen places, didn't hear anything back until I called places that I didn't even apply to. Anyways, I applied to this job. Um, I got it. Wow. Talk about it has its quirks, of course, but talk about a lifesaver, like a profession saver. Seriously. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a God or if this is the universe or it's me manifesting it myself, but this shit just worked out. Like It's crazy. I can't explain it. It's mm-hmm. beyond me. Um, so my job right now is I make my own schedule. I work with a physical therapist that's been in the field for many years and she absolutely restored my faith in the therapist. So Mm. a lot of these things, these fields and medical field are just run by bureaucrats run by office people. It's a money making the the directors, right? The directors of the hospitals, the clinics, Money, 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 mills, patient after patient, patient, patient. This therapist was like, I I came off, I was honest, I was like, hey, I'm fucking burnt out right now off this job. Like, I don't know what I can do, but I want to get into home health because I want more balance in my life. And she's like, I I got you. Yep. We, the director was like, hey, we want you at 40 to 50 patients a week. My PT was like, no, he's not doing that right now. He's going to get 20 to 25 at the most. And he's going to learn this because you can't throw someone new into home health. That's how you lose someone very quickly. <laughs> it's how you lose someone. And, you know, it's a different job. I'm going into people's homes. I don't know these people. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes sketchy areas. I don't want to be freak, you know, as a, from their point of her point of view, freak this kid out, <laughs> this guy out Yeah. with some crazy shit. Cause looking what I've been through now, if I was to see some of these people I've seen now, my first couple months, I would have been like, Oh, f- uh, you yeah. better, pay me a little more for this. this is kind of this is kind of sketch yeah um anyways she restored my faith and really empowered me to say no to those types of people like no i'm not going to do that are you going to fire me because that's 10 times more expensive for you i'm just not gonna, i'm not going to do this i'm not going to go see that person i'm not going to see that many people mm-hmm. and i get paid per visit so there's incentive to see more people right um but i'm trying to do the right thing so you get more comfortable over the course of the year, I did. I've started to pick up my schedule. I'm seeing more and more and more. I'll relate this for how much um, this job has meant to me financially. Back in 2017, right before I went into PTA school, I lived with my sister. I didn't pay rent at all. I couldn't quite afford to. I paid electricity, which was like 75 bucks a month, or uh, internet, sorry. Uh, most months I did. And I paid for food, and I paid for gas to go see Jess and Gaylord. Mm-hmm. I wrote myself a check. I had a little checkbook in my closet and we had just started the podcast. So we're like kind of getting our minds into self-development and, yeah. and doing things. So I wrote yeah. myself a check. I wrote $90,000 on that check. I dated it. Um, I still have the check. I got to check the date. I think I dated it for like 2020, I think 2020 or 2021 or something like that. 
$90,000, signed it, put it away. I probably looked at it like once or twice over the next couple of years. Um, and then, you know, did my job in 2021, got a home health job in 2022. I started coaching again in 2022 in January and I made $90,000 almost on the fucking dot. Hell yeah. How fucking crazy is that? That's, that's some serious, that's literally, that's what it's all about. And like you said, whether it's God or the universe or you manifesting it, I think it's a mixture of all of the above. And I think people interchange the universe and God. I mean, depends on your religious beliefs. Sure. But like at the end of the day, you are manifesting that shit. You are putting the energy out there and you are making that shit happen Mm -hmm. with the help of others. But like your energy, your motivation, all of these things, all the positive things that you're putting into it are then coming back to you. And dude, that's like proven shit. Mm -hmm. You talk to people who are uber successful. They talk about that too. Like you talk about like having a dream board, a vision board, whatever. Like it sounds hokey, but I remember like when I was talking about being a park ranger, dude, it's like whether that seems like a low bar or high bar, depending on who you are, like it was very difficult for me to achieve that. And I had talked about that for years and then finally I did it. And then passing the M Coles and then going to the Academy and excelling in the Academy, like all of those things it's through the manifesting because that shit wasn't easy and all the shit you've done wasn't easy. So there's serious power to, yeah, the universe, God, manifesting that shit into your life. You put what you want out there and you do the work, it's going to come back to you tenfold. I firmly believe that too. A hundred percent. And I think we're proof of that. I hope I did a good job of explaining my story and how that has really started from, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, to starting to slowly manifest and putting out in in the world what I want and what I need. Mm-hmm. to survive and have what i want and to thrive i want to stay, I to want, have I want to, a great yeah. fulfilling life yeah right like i want to stay in this relationship i want to thrive in my life financially i want to have mm-hmm. good friends i want to be able to take care of myself and my family if i have to um so yeah i mean making that money is really important to me um and i did it and uh now it's gonna hold on to it right now like mm-hmm. the work's not over and that's that's the funny thing about um making it but there is a book about that has really there's two books that changed my life through this whole process the first one a lot of people have probably heard of mindset by carol dweck talks about growth mindset versus versus fixed mindset Mm -hmm. i discovered that book a little bit later like in 2020 holy shit relationships financials um uh sports you're you have athletic endeavors going to the gym everything she touches on a little bit of everything yeah. Mindset by Carol. It's an amazing book. Uh, the other one is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen something. I can't remember. And Jen something. She has a couple books. But that one literally was if you talk about making this money, if you put it out there physically, writing it down or talking about it, it your behaviors start to shape what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't naturally just want to talk to talk. We want to talk with action. Right. I think the, the trap that sometimes we get caught into is it feels good to just talk about it. It feels good to just talk about your goals. It gets you excited. It yeah. gets you excited. It gets you a little, little, your little brain, gets your little dopamines, and they get stirred, and they start dancing. And a lot and of people do that happens. shit. And yeah, they, exactly. They, 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 they stay there because that feels good enough. Yep. The action is uncomfortable, right? I think that's the crux of this episode is the discomfort 
and achievement. And it goes beyond just talking about it. When we started this podcast, we talked a lot and it took a long time to get some actual action behind what we were talking about. We had barely started what our journey was and still is doing Dude, when we started this podcast and started talking yeah. about the things that we're doing. We're just now seeing the fruits of that seed. I mean, if you and think about it, four years. Yeah, I was like, at, when we started the podcast, essentially, especially for me, that was like the beginning, the very beginning of when I decided that the shit was going to be different. Mm-hmm. And you can track our journey through the years based on that. And uh, it's pretty incredible. Like mm-hmm. Connor has changed careers, you know, seven or eight months after starting the podcast. And, and we manifested that shit. We've manifested everything that is, has come into our lives and, and the people that have come and the people that have gone, it's all for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I want to start to wrap this up a little bit. And I want yeah. you just give some advice when when someone when people are sitting there and they're wishing and they're hoping and they don't know what to do and they're maybe they're on, maybe they are comfortable there are people are comfortable with the fact that they're okay with how their life is what advice would you give them if they want to make a change that's real and actionable so they're uncomfortable with the way their life is and they want to make a change yeah go to the fucking gym <laughs> <laughs> go to the gym i'm not kidding that's probably my first piece of advice yeah i think you should go to a crossfit gym uh that's my first pers- first piece of advice start to be around people that are fucking doing some action making action for themselves you start to build a social contract there where you're expected to show up and if you don't show up people start texting you Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. It just happens naturally. It's I think true. that's I think that's really is one of the first steps cuz for me that was the first step going all the way back was being around people that are doing something mm-hmm. that they're there for a reason. They're there because they are uncomfortable with some sort of aspect in their life. Go to the gym, be around people that are are being about it. That's my first piece of advice. Second piece of advice is to grow some skills. Get some sort of skill set for yourself. St- jumping around from job to job, different industries. Maybe that works out sometimes. I grew my skills in relationships um, and then also in the fitness space. But relationships is the biggest one. So I yeah. would grow the skill of building relationships. Start to get to know people. Introduce yourself. Um, it doesn't even matter if it doesn't go anywhere. But practice and get to know people because... Once you're in that gym and you start meeting people, people have resources. People know people, whether it's the person that you meet has that great job for you or has a link up or has like good advice. Start to learn how to build relationships and your life will change. Mm -hmm. Um, And the last piece of advice I would say is as cliche as it sounds. Don't fucking give up. Don't give up. Keep putting it out there in the world. Talk to your spouse, your friends about what you want and start telling yourself what you want and what you need out of your life. I need to make this much money. I need to find a way to do X, Y, Z. I need to lose this much weight. I need to gain this much weight. I need to hit these health markers. Um, Whatever it might be, you keep talking about it. You keep telling yourself that. I think people should meditate as well. 
because your brain will constantly, constantly, constantly try to rationalize your shitty behavior or habits that lead you to a place of comfort that yeah. we described at the beginning of this episode. Yep. Those are my three pieces of advice um, for sure. Great. Yeah, I'm not even going to add anything on to that. I think tie a bow on it. And uh, if you're listening, thank you. We appreciate you. We've been doing this for a long time. And if you've been with us that entire time, man, what a what a real honor it has been for us to sit in these chairs and talk to you yeah, and make the progress that we have. And uh, we're just like you. That's the thing that makes us different on this podcast. We're... We're not talking to you from a place of superiority. We're just like you. We're out there trying to live as extraordinary life as we can. That means something. We make positive and amazing connections and live a life that's worth someone else talking about someday. Okay. So thank you all. Go leave us a rating and a review. And we will see you next week as we discover our warriors within. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.